Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. It's just good to see all of you again. It's good to be back. I've been off for the last couple weeks and uh, took some vacation time, hung out with family. So it's good to see you. I'm sure a lot of you did the exact same thing. And then if you're on vacation right now, if you're traveling, watching online, it's just good to have you as well. Uh, opening question, can I dive right in? I'm excited to be back. Uh, how many of you would trade where you live right now uh, for a house on a lake? Anybody, would you trade? Come on, we're in church, okay, be honest. How many of you would trade where you live right now for a house on a lake? We went up to Silver Lake a couple weeks ago, and it's a fun place to go. If you've never been, it's a kind of a peculiar place. Uh, it's kind of like a beach town plus a truck stop, okay? It's, if those two had a baby, they would have had Silver Lake. And so it's a peculiar place. It's kind of redneck heaven. There's these big sand dunes. So the lake, it's Lake Michigan, and then there's a lake, but it's separated by these giant sand dunes. Uh, and they're, they're gigantic. I'll show you a couple more pictures here in a second. They're gigantic, but they're always moving, right? If you don't know a lot about the dunes, especially here in Michigan, uh, they change. They move, whether it's rain or snow, sleet, when the ice melts, wind. It, it doesn't matter what it is. The sand is always moving. So you can go to Silver Lake every year, and it'll be a different experience every time you go. But there's always one house that I like to see when I drive up to Silver Lake, when we spend the week there, and it's this house. Uh, it's actually a really nice house. It's at the end of this drive. I think it's called North Shore Drive. It, it's this house at the end. And so this is the view from the lake. When you look at it, it's a really pretty house. And it's like, how many of us, like, you look at that and you go, I'd, I'd trade where I live right now for that house, especially right on the lake, beautiful lake, sandy beach, all of that. Uh, there's only one problem with this house, and, and it's a landscaping issue. It's a very slight problem, uh, but it's located... <laughs> right next to a sand dune. So if you've been up there, you've seen this before. In fact, this is probably a tourist attraction for you as well, for this reason. Let me change the angle of the camera for a second so you understand how big this thing actually is. And if you notice the sand, kind of like right here in the middle, remember when I said sand moves? It is not moving in a favorable direction for this homeowner. Uh, in fact, the sand continues to move and continues to fall. It doesn't fight gravity. It just follows gravity. So the best part about this house also will someday be the worst part of this house is they don't have neighbors on this side. They don't have neighbors because this is what happened to their last neighbor. This is actually a real picture of their house. The sand dunes are constantly moving, constantly flowing, constantly falling, and they are moving towards this house just like they're moving towards the lake. In fact, if you look at Google Maps right now, if you pulled it up on your phone on Google Maps, you can still, still see the address numbers on Google Maps for the other two houses that have been swallowed up already by the sand dune just in the last couple of years. So now, how many of you would trade where you live right now for that house? Is there a show of hands? Is there anybody brave? I see one hand, one brave soul that says, yep, it is awful where I live and that is worth it. <laughs> we'll pray for you. I'm sorry about that. 
this house, man, it's just such a funny, it's a funny house. It kind of gets at the same premise or the same idea as what Jesus talked about in the parable that we're going to unpack together today. The kingdom culture, that's the, the series that we're in right now. Uh, kingdom culture, it, the kingdom of God has a culture to it. You know, we think about culture sometimes like our, our world has a culture, our country has a culture, your workplace has a culture. In fact, your family has a culture. Culture is just a way of doing things and a way that people relate and distinctives that make it different from anybody else that you would compare it to. And so the kingdom of God is just like that. There are distinctives about the culture of the kingdom of God that make it separate from other cultures all around the world. And so we're going to dive in today. We're going to read this passage together. It comes out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And these are Jesus' words. And so he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But... There's a second part of it. It says, but everyone who hears these words of mine, again, Jesus is talking, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on, say it with me, sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the, wind, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Here's the thing I want you to notice in this passage, right? Uh, Jeremy talked a couple weeks ago, a lot of parables uh, actually compare two different things with each other. So there's two houses that are compared here, or even more so two foundations that are compared. Jesus says there's a house that's built on the rock and there's a house that's built on the sand, but I want you to catch this. It is the same storm that hits both of them. It is the exact same storm. If you read the description, here's what the storm is. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and it beat against that house. Jesus uses word for word the exact same description of the storm to describe how two houses, and you can fill in the blank, how two houses or, or two people or two families to marriages, to businesses, to whatever, whatever it is you want to compare. There's two separate things that are built on different foundations, but the same storm Jesus is getting at, what one storm can do to one is very different than what it can do to another, and it all comes down to the foundation on which they're built. Now, all of us, before I go too far, right, we all know what a storm is like. I've had a couple fun storms the last couple weeks. That's fun. I love a good thunderstorm. I love when the rain comes. I love thunder, especially when it cracks right above the house. It's kind of, it's exhilarating for me. Like, I like it. It's fun. I love seeing the rain just dump. Some of you hate it, right? I get it. I understand. My dog would be one of those. Absolutely hates the thunder, hates the storm. But I, I love being in the midst of a good thunderstorm. Here's what I don't love. I don't love being in the midst of a good life storm. And we all know what life storms entail, right? We've all lived through life storms. Here's, here's some that I sat with and thought about this week. Uh, when your boss walks in and lets you know you don't have a job anymore. I mean, that feels like a storm then, doesn't it? I've had that conversation. Not as the boss, as the employee. And you walk in and you go, I thought I had a future here. I thought I knew where I was going here. I thought I had the next steps taken care of. And now I just got informed I don't have a job here anymore. My time is coming to an end. And you start thinking through the implications because storms always have implications. 
Where am I going to live? How am I going to pay for things? What about groceries? What about college tuition? What about vehicles? What are, this is a surprise that we didn't anticipate. How long are we going to live or endure through this storm? I mean, what's another storm that maybe a lot of us have encountered? You ever get that phone call from the doctor that has news that is not what you were expecting at all? Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's, it starts with this, I'm so sorry to be the one to have to tell you, but you have cancer. The disease is back. The, the prognosis is not good for you. The outlook is not promising. I mean, it feels like a storm when you get that phone call, doesn't it? As if it's not bad enough when it's you, when it's somebody you love, somebody you care about. I just feel like it's so much worse, isn't it? Of being helpless and oftentimes hopeless, going, I can't fix this. We all know what a storm feels like. What about this one? This one's been around me a lot, especially in the last couple of weeks. Uh, people whose spouse sits down with them, and, and basically the conversation goes like this. I don't want to be married to you anymore. I don't see a future for this. I don't see a future for us. It seems like we have these, you know, the famous divorce word is irreconcilable differences. I don't think we can make this work, and no amount of counseling or Money or change or promises can change my mind. I'm done. Feels like a storm when you have that conversation, doesn't it? I mean, there's all sorts of storms that we encounter, deal with, weather all throughout our lives. Those are just some of them. Here's a couple others quickly. When you're at a funeral for a loved one, when you struggle with infertility, when your adult children are experiencing hardship, when you're watching the health of your aging parents deteriorate, when your family gets divided because of significant conflict. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. We all know what a significant storm feels like. In the words of Jesus in this passage, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and it beat against that house. All of us know what that's like in the metaphor of life. When it feels like you're just getting wailed on. And it's thing after thing after thing. It's bad news after bad news, phone call after phone call, informed after informed, whatever it is. We know what it feels like to weather a storm. So it, it begs the question of this, what's Jesus' point? If all of us experience all of this at some point in our lives, what's the big deal? And here's, here's Jesus' point. If I can summarize the whole thing into one sentence, here's how I would say, the storm you can withstand depends upon the foundation on which you stand. The storm that you can withstand, the storm that you can get through, the storm that you can, believe it or not, even thrive in actually has everything to do with the foundation on which you stand, the foundation on which your marriage is built, the foundation on which your personal life is built, or your family is built, or your workplace is built, or your business is built, or your classroom is built. The foundation matters because the foundation dictates the type of storm the severity of storm, the duration of the storm, the foundation that you are on makes or breaks you in a storm. So here's Jesus' point, right? He's saying, I'm trying to show you and to teach you that the foundation that you build your life, you build your workplace, you build your career, you build your family, you build your marriage, the foundation that you build it on matters, right? And everybody said, amen. 
we know that chances are very few people in this room or watching online have a problem with that premise, right? Here's where it falls apart. Here's where many of you probably will disagree with me. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the Bible. Jesus' very words. Let's go back to it. Matthew 7, verse 24. This is how it starts. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. This is where the wheels fall off for some of us. Jesus spends some time articulating with his disciples, this is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. This is what it means to follow Jesus with your whole life. This is what it means to build a foundation. This is what it means to engage in a different culture than what you're used to or what you grew up in or what you work with or what's just a natural default for you. Jesus says those that actually do what I'm telling them to do are like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, but those who don't do what I'm telling you. Those who hear the words I'm saying, those who read the words in the Bible, those who understand the point that Jesus is trying to get across with what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus today, in today's world, in today's society, in your marriage, in your family, those who understand, who hear it and get it, and then don't do anything with it. Jesus said that's the equivalent of building your house on an entire foundation of sand. It doesn't take a big storm to wipe that whole thing away. Jesus says, those who hear these words of mine, uh, I have an assignment for you today, if you'll do it. If not, no problem. Uh, but you're going to miss something if you don't. Read Matthew chapter 5 through 7. That's what I want you to do this week. Read Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, it's called a couple different things uh, throughout the Gospels, but this is actually like the, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus it's one of his most famous and powerful sermons that he preaches to a group of onlookers, to an audience that desperately wanted to understand what the kingdom of God was actually like, and Jesus told them. In Matthew 5 to 7, here are some of the topics that Jesus covers in this short sermon. He talks about representing Jesus to the world, he talks about the weight of Scripture, anger, Disputes, conflicts with others, sexuality, divorce, commitments, revenge and enemies, money, giving people to need, treasure in or giving to people in need, treasure in heaven, prayer and fasting, worry and anxiety, judging others, approaching or accessing God, the character of God, the way to heaven and eternity with Jesus, and true prophets versus false prophets. Does any of that apply to any of you? Because most of it applied to me. As I read it, I just sat with it. Jesus spends just two chapters. It'll take you less than ten minutes to read these two chapters. These are the words that Jesus was talking about when he looked at his disciples and he said, if you hear these words of mind and do what they say, you'll build your life, you'll build your marriage, you'll build the foundation of everything important to you on the rock if you do it. You don't have to do it. You can do whatever you want. You can decide to say, I, Jesus, I know better than you. Jesus, I'm more informed than you. Jesus, I know me and my situation better than you. You can do whatever you want, but Jesus boils that down to, it's like a foolish man building his house on the sand. But if you actually listen to Jesus' words and, and, and you apply it to your life, it's like building your foundation on the rock. 
Scariest verse in the whole Bible. I'm about to read it to you, in my opinion. Some of you go, is it Revelation? Nope, it's not even in Revelation. Is it Genesis? Is it Sodom and Gomorrah? Nope, not even there. I, I could pick a bunch of different pieces throughout Scripture that are, that are scary. This, to me, is the scariest verse in all of Scripture, and it happens to fall three verses before the passage that we talked about today, the wise and the foolish builder. Here's what Jesus says to his audience. Matthew 7, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That should scare you. It scares me. Here's the conclusion that we should draw from this. Just saying, Lord, Lord. Just praying every once in a while, just going, Jesus, can you bail me out of this problem yet again? Jesus, I'm in a storm yet again. Can you bail me out one more time? Jesus, can you just show up? Just saying, Lord, Lord, just calling on Jesus' name does not mean you're saved. What he's saying here is the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, the one who comes before Jesus as if approaching a king, not a genie in a bottle that can do whatever you want, who approaches a king that demands everything but promises salvation who says, I want you to lay it all down. I want you to sacrifice everything. I want you to surrender to me. If we can approach Jesus with that mentality in every area of life is not off limits. Every area of life is open for conversation with Jesus. And as you saw, a lot of them are represented in these short couple of chapters. Jesus invites us into his presence, into a relationship with him, but it's costly. It means a relationship with him should actually lead towards changes in our lives, towards, towards reading scripture, reading his word, reading his sermons that are recorded in his teachings, reading those and saying, wow, my life is actually not in alignment with what I just read in scripture. How do I get alignment underneath the way that Jesus is calling us to live? That's what it looks like to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. It's when we read it, something changes, something results. There's, there's an outcome that leads towards following Jesus. Does this mean you can earn your salvation? No. Salvation is a gift. It's a free gift. It only comes from God. It comes through Jesus who died on the cross so that you might have a relationship with him, but it requires surrender. It requires sacrifice. It, it requires yielding to the power and to the leading and the authority of the Holy Spirit. This is why this verse scares me is because it says not everybody is saved that thinks they're saved. There's this whole other group of people that I'm, I'm saved because I did the thing once when I was a kid and, you know, it was at camp and it was a special experience and so I, I did it. But there's no part of my life that I've ever gone back and surrendered and submitted to the person of Jesus. That should scare you. It scares me. For people I love, for people I care about. I mean, being honest with you, I mean, I'm reading this book right now. It's been awesome. Uh, it's been awesome in the way that like it undoes a whole lot of things that you just adopted or, or believed is true? Have you ever read a book like that, heard a sermon like that, watched a movie like that? That's what this book has, has done to me. I started reading, and one of the chapters I just read, it was all about death. And what was interesting is it, it said a lot of times death, think of death as the biggest storm, you know, the biggest storm of your life. 
It's that a lot of times when people think about death, when they acknowledge death, when they understand that I will not live here on this earth forever, that someday I am going to die, and right now it is 99.999999 continuous uh, of people that have died, of all people in all of the world. There's been like one or two people, I think, ever that have not died. You know, Elijah was one of them, and he was taken up into heaven. He didn't die. Everybody else, if your name's not Elijah and you didn't live like 4,000 years ago, you're probably going to die. Happy Sunday. <laughs> Read this book, and it said, look at it. Look at death in the face. People that look death in the face, in the face make different decisions. They see their life different. They see their work different. They see family different. They see relationships different. They, they see things, in my opinion, closer to what they actually are. I think Jesus had his eyes on death. He knew that he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to die for us. He, he knew he was going to do that. And he was going to die so that we might have a relationship with him, that we might have a relationship with our creator, that we might live forever. Jesus had his eyes on death, and so he made decisions that were different. I think so many of us, we don't like the idea of death, so we push it out and push it aside, and we make decisions based on whatever I want today, whatever makes me feel happy, whatever feels right, whatever. And we've totally eroded the foundation of Scripture and Jesus' word. We say, nah, I don't need to pay attention until we get the phone call, until we get the news, until some sort of storm rolls through and shakes us at the very core of our foundation, do we start asking different questions? That's why Jesus spent time to carve this out for us to talk about today. As I'm sitting here reading through Matthew 5 through 7, as I'm getting ready for this message, here, here's the question that I have to wrestle with. Is my life, David, is my life actually built on the foundation of Jesus or not? Here's the conclusion I came to. In theory, yes. Some of you are laughing nervously. You're like, uh-oh, that's starting to sound kind of like my story. In theory, yes. In practicality, man, there's a lot of room to grow. As I start reading these areas, right? Money, work, conflict, motivations of the heart, judgments of others, comparison. You start undoing that, every one of those I pulled out of Matthew 5 to 7. These are just some of the top ones that I noticed bubble to the surface in my own life. Jesus, have I actually submitted these to you? Have I actually made you the foundation in my life? Or do I treat you more like a closet? If we're talking about house metaphor analogy, a closet is something that's tucked away, relatively hidden to most people that would come in and visit, but you access it when you need something. Foundation, nothing's there if it's not there. See the difference? So I'm starting to ask, Jesus, are you the foundation of the way that I handle money? Or is it like a closet? Jesus, are you the foundation for how I deal with conflict and brokenness in life? Or not? Jesus, have I totally surrendered and submitted everything that I want, that I would desire, that I would consider important to me? Have I submitted that under your lordship? and your authority or not. This message isn't hard to understand. It's hard to do. That's the whole purpose and point of the parable and the metaphor. It's the whole purpose of today is those that actually do what, what Jesus tells them to do, build their foundation on a rock. 
There's no storm that you can face that will destroy you if you're built on the foundation of Jesus. It just can't happen. Jesus is the greatest foundation. He is the most rock-solid foundation that you could ever surrender to, that you could ever submit to, that you could ever yield to. And what he says is, and I love you. I don't want to just control you. I don't want to take from you. I, I have so much for you. I want to give to you. I want to bless you. I want to minister to you. I want to bring healing to you. I want to provide peace for you. I want to lead you in your life. I want to minister to the areas of your life that are broken, to the areas that have gone unhealed. Jesus has this posture of love for his children, for his followers. He doesn't just say, yep, now you're one of mine. I add to my, my number. No, he, he treats it like adoption. Like you've been adopted into sonship. You're, you're adopted into the family of God. So what is your life built on? What's your life built on? What's the foundation if you get after it? Is it, is it career? Everything right now is all about career and what do I do and how far can I get and how much can I make and what power do I have and where will I end? Is your life built on the foundation of your career and you make decisions that revolve around that? Is your life built on the foundation of family? What do my kids need right now? What's my spouse need right now? What do we need as a family? Maybe, maybe you have a young family right now. Maybe you have a grown family right now. Maybe family has become the foundation of your life. I mean, what else is it? Is it retirement as you're looking forward to that? Is it freedom as you want to embrace that? Is it pleasure, things that you just long for because it fills something deep inside of you that's like, okay, it feels good for a moment and I can just keep taking shots of this over and over and over. What is the foundation of your life built on? I mean, here, here's a reminder for all of us, okay? The storm that you can withstand depends upon the foundation on which you stand. What happens when that thing that you love, that you care about, disintegrates? As we talked about at the beginning, every single foundation but Jesus will erode. It'll wash away. It'll disappear. It'll crack at the roots. It's not salvageable. But the foundation of Jesus could change your life, could change your family, could change your marriage, could change your kids, could change your career, could change your retirement, it could change everything. If you say simply, God, I just want to align myself under you. I want you to be my foundation. Jesus, let's talk about Jesus just for a second. Jesus as our foundation. He's the solid rock. He doesn't change. The Bible talks about it a number of different times. He's the cornerstone. He holds it all together. The most important piece of which the entire house is built is hinged on that cornerstone. He's the one who loves us. He's the one who saved us and ransomed us. He traded his perfect life for our sinful mess. He died on a cross to take our sins so that we would have access to him, that a foundation built on him would actually be possible. That's what Jesus did. That's who he is. That's what he offers every single one of us. So what's that look like for us? We need to put him first. Not move him up on the list. He needs to be first on the list of priorities in your life. Foundations come first. 
Here's what else we need to do. We need to make his word the anchor for our lives. It's hard to know what his word says if we don't read it. We need to be people of the word, that read the word, that memorize the word, that embrace the word, that align ourselves with the word, that allow it to wash over us, that, that we visit it every single morning or every single night, every afternoon, whatever it looks like for you, that we would revisit it because it's a foundation. We need to submit our finances to him. We need to submit our sin to him, to confess it, repent it, walk away from it, turn from it, run from it. That, we, we need to align ourselves, the areas that are out of bounds, we need to bring them back in and go, God, I want to do this your way. You've told us what it looks like to live as followers of you, and it looks like representing Jesus to people around us. Something I'm so proud of right now of our church. We have this evangelism workshop that's meeting right now. Some of you in this room probably are going to the evangelism workshop uh, during the next service. But what an awesome way to represent Jesus to our world. To go, I just, I want to learn how do I share my faith? How do I share my story? How do I share my testimony? How do I share the goodness of God's love and his mercy and his grace that's available to all? It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what, how far you've ran from him. Jesus stands there with open arms and says, come back to me. Come back to me and I'll take it all and I will wash it away. I will make you as white as snow and you will be called a son or daughter of the king of the universe. That's the invitation that Jesus offers us. And so just as we close today, uh, I want to ask this. Some of you need to make Jesus your foundation. It's, I got three bullets up here. This is the first one. Some of us just need to make Jesus our foundation. Some in this room, some watching online, need to do that today for the very first time. That's why that card is sitting on your seat right now. It just looks like this. Uh, here, here's why we put this card on your seat. It's not to count numbers. It's not to high five or whatever. What this is for is so that if you say, today's the day I need to make Jesus my foundation, put your name, put your phone number, tell us so that we can reach out to you this week and walk with you. As a foundation of Jesus, we, we do this together. Please just don't miss the opportunity to, to do that together. Just write your name on it. Check the box. If you're watching online, there's something on the bottom of your screen, frontlinejr.com slash Jesus. It's the exact same card. It's the exact same form. It's the exact same purpose. We just want to walk with you. Some of you, there's a second one. It says, I'm recommitting my life to Christ. Some of you have walked so far away or you've run so far away from a relationship with Jesus that you've built your own life and your foundation is crumbling. Maybe it's the first time you've been back here for a long time. Maybe it's the first time you've been back to church in a long time. Maybe, maybe you're watching online going, I just, I don't know about this whole church thing. I'm giving it a shot. Man, I, I did church when I was younger, but I need to recommit my life to Christ. It's the exact same thing. We're just gonna reach out. We're gonna follow up. We're gonna help you get connected so that you can build your foundation on the most important foundation that you could ever build your life on. Here's for, for all of us, okay? Two more things. Uh, read Matthew 5 to 7 with somebody else. Just, can we just do that? Read it with your spouse. Read it with your kids. Read it with your small group. Read it with work people. Open up your Bible at lunch and invite somebody else to read it. And then here's the last one. It's the hardest one. Do something. Do something. Do something as a result. Change something. Move something. Some area of your life underneath the headship, the lordship, the kingship of Jesus. It will change your life. It'll be a firm foundation. 
that will allow you to weather any storm because of the shelter that you find yourself in. Here's how I just, I want to close together. Can we just pray? Can we just come before our Heavenly Father as a bunch of people, as a bunch of His kids that don't get it right? that screw it up all the time, that sin, that mess up, that build our lives, build our foundations on things that aren't him. God always presents us the opportunity again, just come back to me. Come back to me, make the changes now. Offer it up, surrender, sacrifice, repent of it, confess it. Jesus, his throne is open. Not as a king who's ready to deliver judgment, but now as a father who welcomes his children into his arms. So can we pray together as we close out our time? God, we just come before you right now and we just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. God, we know there's nothing we can do to earn salvation, nothing we can do to earn right standing with you. We know that we are sinners through and through, broken, and yet you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross, to live a perfect life so that our sins could be punished on him and we could receive his righteousness, his goodness, his perfection. So God, I just pray for this room right now that you would just minister to everybody in this room, everybody watching or listening online, that you would speak to the area of brokenness that you'd speak to the area of pain, that you'd speak to the shame or the guilt, God, that you would cast the enemy out, that he would not be allowed to speak words of, of lies or criticism or accusations. I pray that you would just remove him and that you would speak words of life to us and forgiveness and hope and peace. And God, I pray that we would actually take this seriously that we would build our lives on the rock of your son, Jesus. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.